We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 331. They did it. They swept the doubleheader. We didn't think it could be done. It's like seeing the boogeyman or trying to find Bigfoot, but it actually happened. I know John Sterling tells us it can't be done, Scott. No, it's done. never happened in the history of baseball. Sweeping a doubleheader. They did it. There are, there are a few fewer things that are a bigger feat in the world, according to John Sterling, than sweeping a doubleheader. More men have walked on the moon than swept a doubleheader. Mars. We've been to Mars, set up a planet, and people are living there before a doubleheader <laughs> is swept. Elon Musk couldn't sweep a doubleheader. This, but, this was happening. This is happening. And, and the other thing that's happening, 17-2. and two, Still happening. <laughs> still alive. The dream is still alive. Well, if there's one time you're going to sweep a doubleheader, it's going to be yesterday. We're recording early Thursday morning. Yesterday, perfect scenario. First of all, after two just miserable rainy days, cold rainy days in New York, they got a beautiful day. So you had two off days. Everyone is rested, ready to go. And then you have an off day Thursday, so you can use bullpen arms. We're going to talk about this. I found this fascinating, the fact that they used bullpen arms twice. I didn't think it was going to happen, but they did it. He even mentioned that he was going to do it. He said he was going to do it, and then he did it. But I didn't believe it. No. It's it, just um, one of the, he, so he spoke they could the use, truth. They could use big bullpen arms twice um, because of the, the, the bracketed off days. And you're facing maybe the worst team 
in in the last decade of baseball, especially as far as the pitching staff goes. My God, do they suck. Well, except for Andrew Kashner, who comes in and, and pitches like a, a Cy Young against the Yankees in the first few innings, and starts striking out every every person that he faces. But no, that's the team you're going to do it. If you're going to sweep them, you're going to sweep the Orioles at home. Like the, again, I, I know people are getting on me because of the whole prediction thing, and and the 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 fact that I said that we should go 21 and 0 or 19 and 0, whatever it was against the uh, Tampa Bay Devil Rays 19. last year. They should have, but they didn't. This year, the the Baltimore Orioles, if there was ever a team to to completely sweep at home, it would be this team. They've already lost two fluky games early. But, you know, like I said, walk into a game before, tweet me before the Baltimore Orioles game that you think the Orioles should win. Please, please send me a tweet and your prediction on the game that you think they should lose right before the game because I'm never going to hear from you. I'm done. Well, so... You can stay in the prediction making game. I'm out of the prediction. You've been game. we that was been very been clear in 2019 that you're out of yeah. the prediction making game. I've been burned, but uh, so I looked up. So double headers are always the cliche goes. They're always tough. They get postponed Monday. Already going to play a double header on Wednesday. Tuesday then gets postponed. That now means they're going to play a double header August 12th. It's a Monday, August 12th at the stadium. They're going to do a one o'clock and a seven o'clock game. So that means two doubleheaders against the Orioles this year. They played two doubleheaders against them last year, too. It just seems like they're always facing Baltimore in a doubleheader, which also goes to the fact maybe why they struggle. The record doesn't look as good as it should. Because last year, when you look at their doubleheaders, they played four doubleheaders last year, plus that game-and-a-half weird scenario against the Nats. Right. They went 6-4 and four total. Maybe if they just play those games regularly, they go 9-3. and three. Or they maybe even go ten and two, and you're not closer to five hundred. And stuff like this starts to pile up, um, and at the end of the year, it can make a difference where you are in the standings. But the difference is that what this year they're they have the replacement players, so they're it's like uh, it's like the so it doesn't matter. They're, they're, they're playing, playing stupid. They're playing. This is what the, this is what we're we're talking about when um, when all the kids came up. Like they don't know any better. They're just yeah. they're just Young, dumb kids dumb coming and, up and playing. Who cares? Yeah. You, oh, we got two today. Okay. I'm just yeah. happy to be it's here. It's like a split squad in spring training. They don't know the difference. Gio Urschel is like, we got two today. That's awesome. Let's go play two. You know, they, they're just happy. They're, they're extremely happy to be on the field. Yeah, and, it, and they've put themselves now in a position with an off day on Thursday to face Tampa this weekend, a redo of last weekend, where if they now if they take two out of three, they can leapfrog Tampa and, and take over first place because they're entering this weekend series a game and a half back of the race. Yeah, that's good news. I mean, they're gonna look. They have to. They have to. Sh- they have to flex their dominance at home with Tampa Bay. Obviously, they went down and kind of took care of the the little the monkey off their back with the um, the catwalks and the speakers and all that, and took two of three. Good news. That was a great start against Tampa. Now they need to flex again and at least take two of three at home. It's a big big series for that. And this is the last off day Thursday for a, for a while, pretty much until June. So they're starting the stretch of of. They're in the middle of a stretch of tough games. We've already talked about that. But towards the end of the stretch is May 31st, Friday night game against Boston. That's the next BP crew main event. Um, That's a four-game series against the Red Sox Thursday through Sunday. So those tickets are – when are they on sale through? So those tickets are going to be on sale until uh, this Monday is going to be the cutoff. So we are – I'm cutting it off a little early. 
for this particular game because we got Memorial Day mixed in there and then we have a Friday game. So usually we go until uh, Wednesday of the following week. This week is going to be uh, Monday. So this coming Monday is the final day that you can buy your Yankees tickets for the next event, Yankees Red Sox. And again, we're um, we're we're over 200. I don't have the exact number, uh, but these these tickets are, are definitely going. I there's always a late surge for every single one of these events. Uh, and I fully expect one this weekend. So if you are on the fence, if you are still texting or in a group chat with your your friends, close a deal, get everybody on board and uh, and go get those tickets because they're going to be either sold out or gone off off the website on Monday. Yeah. And if you don't believe us that it's a good price, just go search on SeatGeek or StubHub or something and you'll see that you're not going to get a better price than what we're offering for where we're offering it. And then after that, June 22nd, that event's going to come up quick against Houston. That's a Saturday night game. And then the Tampa invasion is happening July 6th in Tampa at the Trop. Maybe the power stays on. Maybe it doesn't stay on. Maybe you bring a bring a headlight, put put one of those like mining lights on your on your hat just in case. Maybe it gets burned to the ground. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Who so knows who, who knows what will happen? We have oh we have and we have a a pregame locked up for that now too, awesome. uh, at Ferg's, which is pretty much across the street. They're giving us um, drinks, but they're giving us everything because we're coming. They're they like, oh, the you're, you're bringing people in? Oh, my God. <laughs> you guys like the Yankees? Oh, come on. Let's go. I'll give you a room, drink specials, food specials. What else do you want? So, yeah, we're going to have a, um, a separate section at Ferg's. And, again, those details are kind of shaping up right now. We have um, Jared down there working on it. He's one of the captains in, uh, in, in Tampa. So he's been, he's been on the ground and uh, talking to some people. All right. Quickly. Also, I've been tweeting about this stuff, but we're doing a London watch party in New York City at Tavern 29 on June 29th. That's a Saturday London game. If you're interested in that, send me a tweet or DM or find uh, in the Facebook group. And then also the uh, Southern Massachusetts and Rhode Island BP crew chapter is doing a meetup at the Rail Riders Paw Sox game Monday, July 1st. There is no Yankees game that night, so get a little AAA action. Maybe someone will be rehabbing that day. If you're interested in that, tickets are pretty cheap. Uh, just hit me up on Twitter as well. All right. What are the odds that the Yankees send someone to Pawtucket on a rehab? Is that what do you mean? I'm just saying. I'm wondering what the if it's like a a, a big name. I know Tyler. They're, or they they have the uh, the night, and I wonder if they back this up. Do they back it up with like the? Do they make it a yearly thing where anybody named Tyler or or um, Oh, the Tyler thing. Austin. If, if your name is yeah, Tyler or I Austin, totally you, you about couldn't that. come in? Or what was the deal? They did something stupid. Well, after the brawl, after the Tyler Austin, Joe Kelly brawl, the Pawtucket Red Sox would not allow anyone named Tyler. Or Austin, I think. Or Austin into, this, into the Pawtucket Red Sox stadium. Right. Yeah. Dumb. They, they are not ones to be turning away uh, <laughs> revenue, especially because I believe they're losing their stadium and the Pawtucket Red Sox are moving to Massachusetts. Well, there you go. Now they welcome everybody named Tyler and all. That's Rhode, Island, that's Rhode Island politics for you. They're not going to get burned by another Red Sox uh, after, the, after Kurt Schilling robbed him of $300 million. Oh, he took the money from the Pawtucket? Team, I know he took it from a, uh, a his video game company and all their people. That's what it was. Uh, the video game company, the state of Rhode Island, like loaned him three hundred million dollars to start a company, and then it went out of business in like eleven months. And they made a podcast about that, didn't they? About the, Did uh, they? I don't know. the, the Rhode Island politics. I don't know. Maybe I'll tell my dad about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's called mafia. <laughs> so, uh, to, uh, so the Monday Monday, people were kind of joking about this, but I think some people were actually kind of mad that the grounds crew messed up. 
and that they should have played Monday night because the game was postponed. The game was delayed until 745. Right. And then they take the tarp off the field, and then all of a sudden it's Lake Erie out in left field. And it's like, what the hell happened? The field was not draining. It's probably because it was soaking monsooning. wet. It was monsooning all day. I mean, it was a terrible day. Yeah. It was 45 degrees and raining from the moment the sun came up until 745. So it, it, I guess the field just couldn't train. But then they bring out everything. Pitchforks. They got leaf blowers. They got like, squeegees. Aerators. They're they're bringing in like, I, like the next thing you know they're gonna bring in one of those like weather machines that sucks the moisture out of the air. Like it was it was actually comical what they were bringing. They were just calling like what what do you got in the back? Like look under <laughs> look under the tarp. What's under there? What can we bring out? The aeration machine was my favorite because they're 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 obviously not the ground is not soaking in the water. It's oversaturated. So so let's take the aeration machine and dig down. You know another inch and a half, two inches. I don't know how long, how deep that thing goes just so that it can, you know, fill up that other inch and a half. Cause it's not going to stay like a sponge, you know, at that point, or it's going to drain faster. I mean, the ground was overly saturated. It needed sun and time and maybe some they, wind. So apparently they have some state of the art draining system in this field. Yeah. Like all new, all new fields have this kind of thing. I don't know what that means. Did, does it mean it drain? There's extra room in the underneath the grass underneath the ground for the water to go like i don't understand how that works i don't know all i know is that i own a lawn i own a house with a lawn and i I take my grass very seriously do you aerate yes in the fall i aerate every every single year i aerate just to make sure there's there's a um there's there's a science behind this there's a there's a you got to stay on it too because if you stay on it you're done if you if you get off of it you're done but i just don't the concept of of a like think of a sponge if it's if it's if there's nowhere for that water to go in a sponge it's not going to go anywhere no matter if you poke holes in it or not it's still not going to go anywhere it's it needs the elements of and time for it to either you know evaporate into the atmosphere or dry and dry up or just you know just eventually soak down further it was just too saturated that was the problem like you said it was raining all all day and there was nowhere for the water to go. And whether they they had to dump the water somewhere, like mm-hmm. usually what they do is they try to get it towards the drains. And obviously those guys know where the drains are. So I, I got to believe that they tried to steer the the tarp towards where the drains are. It just wasn't draining. I, yeah, felt, bad right- for, I felt bad for the grounds crew because they had they were in a no-win situation. And, they, and yeah, they're just people- out there on an island. People were saying that they blew it <laughs> like yeah. because people were once once you announce once you get an announcement that it's going to start up again right. at 745 and then it doesn't it, you, like the grounds crew is put put in a spot where then it's on them if they don't start the game. Yeah, no, but I think it was the right call. I think it was absolutely the right call oh, to call sure. the game. It, w- it, it was treacherous. You would what we would have had was uh, any ball to the outfield would it was going to be an adventure. And there was going to probably be an injury if they ended up playing that game. There was definitely going to be an injury. And it was going to be... It was going to be... One Aaron of, Hicks. It was going to be Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks was not going to be on that field. <laughs> There's no way they were letting Aaron Hicks on that field. Oh, he was in the starting lineup. So you're saying they would have pulled oh, him? Oh, for sure. There's no doubt Send, about uh, it. But who was going to go out there? Because they were down... They were down a, a, pl- a position player because of the weird... They put Loisica. They put... Um, and Duhar on the IL. So a couple players were on the IL, and they didn't really get position players back. They had it was weird. They had uh, an extra pitcher. They called back Cortez. There would have been there would have been a Maybe sacrificial Cortez goes out and plays left. Yeah, field. it could have been him going out there and playing the outfield, or you know Tyro Estrada's back out in the outfield, or they're they're putting someone out there who 
is not a crucial, not important, not a crucial. (laughs) You can't even say that anymore though, because everybody's important. They've all proved to be now important. So I don't even know how to, how to say who's less important at this point, but no, it would have been, it was, it was bad. I mean, they should have called it earlier. They should have probably identified that the, um, the field was just not playable. And like, what are we we waiting for here? What are we doing? That's why they think they called Tuesday because Tuesday didn't really rain all day, but then it started raining at night, and they're probably like, "This just field is just taking too much water over the last two days yeah. to to make it work," and they didn't want to have another annoying situation like Monday. But and and then you got to make the call. It, what's what's safer, playing on a wet field or, or playing a doubleheader? And obviously, playing a doubleheader on a dry field, no doubt, is safer. It was the right call. Oh. They just took too long to do it. Yeah. And what we had on when you're expecting, okay, we're going to get a doubleheader. Uh, Orioles, terrible pitching staff. Yankees, they always play long games. You're expecting two four-hour games because that's just how it goes. Boom, what do we get? A two-hour, 12-minute game and a two-hour, 29-minute game. It's like we tra- we traveled back in time to 1952 and we got a, a, a single admission doubleheader and two games under two and a half hours. Major League Baseball needs to go back and review the tape and study these games. What happened? <laughs> and identify the reasons why they went so fast and why they were such such efficient games. And then use that as a model for every game going forward in Major League Baseball. We don't need gimmicks. We just need them to look at the tape. That's it. It was yeah, This it was, was like one Red, Yankees-Red Sox Sunday night game. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Well, because I, I was tweeting out before, once, once they announce the second game starts a half hour after, or 6.35, which is the original start time, I'm like, oh, perfect, here we go. We're going to get a four and a half hour first first game. It's going to go 13 innings. It's going to be one of these annoying-ass games, and we're not going to start the second game until 8 p.m. Yeah. But no, that's not what happened. No, and they couldn't They could an hour delay in between. They, they were so long in between that John Sterling could prepare his home run call for Kendr- Kendrys Morales. <laughs> that's right. He had time to kill, man. That's that's crucial. Not only that, they're giving John Sterling ample time to set up because you know he's not going to do it outside the stadium. He only works when he gets there and when he le- before before he leaves. He was. Uh, I was listening to the first game uh, at work because I was at work, so I was listening to John and Susan, and they were talking about uh, Thursday's the off day. I think they're doing team pictures, and uh, Susan was like, "John, are you coming in for your picture?" He goes, "On an off day, no chance." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so he's just, it's gonna be a recycled picture of John Sterling from probably like 1995. Yeah, I mean, he probably wants that anyway. You know, like at a certain point, you have a good picture, and you just you make you the reason why it. you don't go to the. To <laughs> it's the thing like yet. it's like actors who like send in headshots, and they're 19 years old, and they walk in, and they're 42 years old. Yeah, just never gotten a part. No, I wonder why. Once you get a good one, man, you got to lock that thing in. You got to keep it. I understand what they're saying. It's a. Uh, What'd you think of Hammerin Cameron for his home run call on Cameron Maven? First first Yankees dinger. I, I like it. It doesn't rhyme. Let's get that straight first, because some people will say it does. It rhymes if you so when I heard him <laughs> it does, say it. It doesn't rhyme. When when I heard him say it, I thought he said Cameron Cameron twice. That's what it sounded. He said Hammerin Cameron. And I, I was just like, what what did he just say? Did he say Cameron twice? Okay, so the way this is the beauty of it. This is why I like it. Because he made it rhyme. It doesn't rhyme, but he made it rhyme. The way well, that yeah. he uses hammering and Cameron do not rhyme. No, but, but if you when you you break it up, hammering, hammering, it rhymes. Like you, yeah, you, sure. you just got to make it make it your own. So it's, I like that, and I also like the fact that it's ironic because Cameron Maben does not hammer anything. He's he's a guy that doesn't hit home runs, and now we have screwdrivers. Yeah, I mean, literally, like hammering Hank Aaron. That was where that original name came from. 
And now we have it with Cameron Mabin. So it's kind of ironic in the sense that it does not fit him at all. And I like it. Not that it's a yeah. nickname, but it's just a, a John Sterling home run call. But I think there's um, an element of a, a irony in there that I'm not sure how many people picked up on. You didn't like my, my tools joke? I didn't see your tools joke. I just said it. Oh, say it again? You said Cameron Mabin doesn't hammer anything. I said, yeah, he prefers screwdrivers. Oh, yeah. See, I didn't hear you say that. I was too busy <laughs> talking. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, it, it's fine. It's better than, uh, than what's it? Tyro hits one to Cairo. Uh, I'm sick of those uh, player hits one to City. But it was home run derby <laughs> in the first game. Sanchez hit a very impressive home run yes. when you go opposite field over the, the bullpen in the opposite field. I think... Um, I forget exactly the distance. It was it was it was four hundred forty something feet. But that is um, right-handed hitters that go out there. There's only very few right-handed hitters in baseball that can hit a ball where Gary Sanchez hit it. I mean the 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 just pure brute strength to get that ball opposite field off of um, to uh, to get it that far is is a feat. Yeah, it's a monster shot. It's a monster shot going oppo like that. It just shows how much raw power that guy has. When he's on, he's just he can hit absolute moon balls. I remember Judge hit one there last year. I believe at the Anaheim game we were at, the BP crew game, the BP event we were at, um, Judge hit one out there. But that, I have not seen many right-handed batters go out there. And usually when uh, Judge hits it, it's on a it's on a rope. You know, it's right. not as it's not as majestic. Oh, it, it, the second baseman almost catches it and then it ends up <laughs> yeah, exactly. ends up over the bullpen. And but when Gary Sanchez has it, he's got more of that launch angle, more of that uh, that that trajectory. So it looks. It looks even. Uh, it, it looks different because it's judges. Judges' shots off the bat just look like they're going to kill somebody, and Gary Sanchez's look like they're going to go to Cairo. But they all, they both. When you look at the Statcast leaders for exit velocity, it's Judge, it's Sanchez, yeah. it's Stanton. So it, it's just it's crazy these these right-handed power hitters that they have in the lineup that we know we've talked about it a thousand times, but. The Yankees, Sanchez has stepped in, and Glaber, too, who's been on a tear. He hit three home runs yesterday. Gonna gonna put put us out of business with all these t-shirt giveaways. <laughs> We're doing but, three on Twitter and three on Instagram. <laughs> so six t-shirts. Six t-shirts. Damn. Uh, Glaber, two homers in the first game, a homer in the late game. Um, they're, they've both been been hot. Yeah. No, Glaber's been really good. Um, it's we need to find Baltimore in these crucial situations when when someone's not going well. We just there needs to be a Baltimore series coming up. <laughs> it's like sprinkle in Baltimore whenever someone's in a slump. Luke Voigt's been slumping. Yeah. Okay, let Baltimore. him face some Orioles pitching. Yeah, home runs. We you know he hits a uh, he puts a dent in the outfield with um with a, a double that he hits against the wall. But no, th- it's, a, been... it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing when they come in because their pitching staff is terrible and they can light them up. So. Um, um, you know what's so funny is that it's it's because uh, I was I listened to to bro- both broadcasts sometimes and I was listening to the Orioles broadcast a little bit in the first game too, and this the hail kid that they were like they, they, on the game that they rained out they were talking about oh they better not pitch him today like they were like handling this kid with kid kid gloves like he's the next like he's the next Jim Palmer coming out and and going to um kind of they got to hang on to something they got to be excited about something but they're i mean they're really just just holding on Trey to Mancini's going to get traded at some point this season you know that's happening holding on to this kid like he's he's the up and coming next thing and uh he just gets lit up <laughs> it's just so funny cuz they're so excited and then he just comes in and gets torn up by Gleyber Torres did you see that um Michael K was talking last night that since Chris Davis broke out of his 0 for 50 slump or whatever it was he's actually hitting like 290 
Yeah, I, I didn't see him talk about that, but I've noticed that he's been hitting and on base quite often. It's it's crazy how the, the mental game is so much different once you get past that big hurdle. Because it mm-hmm. seems like once he got past it, you know, he can just you can you can relax a little bit. It's not that big monkey on your he back. He still looks like the same boomer bust hitter at the plate. He's yeah. still up there swinging to hit the ball 500 feet. He's still making a lot of money and doing not much for it. The production level to his uh, the his dollar value is got to be one of the worst all time. Him, yeah, him and you talk about that that mental hurdle. Maybe that's what Voigt needed to get over because he was in an 0 for 22 slump, and then even longer than that, over 51 plate appearances. Three for 40. So he was really, really struggling. He was he still had eight walks in that time. So his on-base percentage was, I think, in like the 250s when you're only hitting like 050 and you're on base 25% of the time. It's not that bad. But he really needed that three-hit game last night and two big RBIs. So it was good to see him actually get out of that slump. And they're sticking with him in that number two hole which I was surprised that he actually started the second game because after he went over in the first game, he just looked terrible striking out a bunch. Figured, okay, he's probably going to get the second game off, but they, they put him in there and it paid off. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think they, they have to just kind of lean on their, their bats that they, their big bats that they think are going to be producing at a, at a high level. It's interesting because the, the, the timing of this, and we're going to talk about the Kendris Morales trade, uh, but the timing of a, a Kendris Morales trade, the fact that he... You know, can bat from the left side, and Luke Voigt was in the middle of a three for forty, or you know, close to it at that point when they made the trade. Is is I think interesting because maybe it's a little bit of insurance, maybe it's a little bit of oh, maybe this is the comeback to reality point for Luke Voigt. You know, there's there's yeah, there and could I have saw been a lot of, of people saying that on Twitter that that that's the over overreaction fan reaction. And as soon as Luke Voigt stops hitting, it's like well, the the bloom is off the rose. This is this is it now. We knew this was coming. Well, I, not so much that we knew it was coming, but it's happening now. And and what if it continues? And and now what? Because there is no there's no backup plan anymore. Greg Bird's not healthy. We got nobody there to, to come over and play. Is, is McBroomy going to come up? I'm waiting for McBroomy to come up. He's got to be part of this replace for 28 next man up season. We got to see McBroomy come up because he's if for any reason because Sterling will have an awesome home run. Call. He'll have an amazing home run call. The ladies are going to love him. Like he's 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 just he's the guy that we we need. He could like McBroomy could have a a separate section in left field, you know what I mean? For for like a fan club, kind of like Grady Sizemore did. Like McBro- McBroomy's ladies out in left field. I just he's just the type of guy. He's, he's got this infectious personality. I need him up on this team. It just feels it feels right. A few more. Thi- I think we're still a few more injuries away. I think we're a few more things going wrong for this team before we see it. Oh, man, we could have we could have had him as a as another first baseman. Could have been the twenty sixth man. Could have been a twenty sixth talk. Except I don't think he's on the forty. I'm pretty sure he's not on the forty, oh, and that's why. But okay. we could just well, replace that. We could just we could just knock Mike Talkman off the forty and out of our minds forever, <laughs> and bring up Mc, Mc, uh, McBroomy. And now that Talkman is sent down again, do you think we see him again? Probably. The way the season's going, yeah, most likely. I mean, he's now a depth piece that has major league experience, can play defense, even though he didn't play defense well last night. Uh, yeah, as the turned, he almost man. in the eighth inning, Britain comes in and gives up a hit, and the, it's a single turned into a double because Talkman boots it, boots it, and then he misses the he hits a, a, a crappy throw to um to Glaber, the cutoff man. I think it was the first inning, second inning. And uh, yeah, Orioles get a runner on third base. I mean, he was just... It's, it's a talk, man. You're there for one thing. Play defense, don't, bro. 
don't mess up in the field. Apparently, That's he's got there. good Game of Thrones knowledge. He was on their uh, the R two C two podcast. I haven't listened to it yet, but apparently, he was deep with knowledge of uh, of Game of Thrones. So him and Sonny go okay, watch some so HBO and Netflix. What that tells me is he's been nerding out on Game of Thrones instead of watching game tape. That's what I'm saying. He uh, there was a funny story. So he gets sent down to uh, AAA. And he never even gets in a game because the Yankees have doubleheader. They call him back up to be the 26th man. So he gets to Indy where the Rail Riders are playing. Manager Bell tells him, all right, you're on a flight back to New York City. Tyler Wade then says, I'll drive your car to Toledo, I guess from Scranton or from New York. I don't even know from where. But now uh, Tyler Wade is chauffeuring uh, Talkman's car to Toledo. Did he already drive it to Indianapolis, to Indiana? to, And then... I- gonna drive it out so i saw this i saw this on twitter i think meredith tweeted it and these were all the details we have i want to know how far tyler wade is driving do you do you want to know how much his gas bill is as well and how much we're gonna because doesn't he have a doesn't he have an uber driver on speed dial now i thought so yeah so i'm wondering why he's driving himself i guess that's what also he sent down isn't there like a gopher in the Yankees organization that does this kind of shit? Yeah. Like, why are we having Tyler assistant to the this? traveling secretary is exactly the person that should be driving these cars back and forth to these minor league teams. Like there's gotta be an alternative to Tyler, to Tyler Wade driving a car nine hours out to Toledo. I didn't even know where Toledo was. I had to Google Ohio. Toledo. Okay. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Tyler Wade is, is um he doesn't mind taking the ground transportation I, I admire that like he's not too big for the ground transportation he doesn't mind driving he's a road trip guy doesn't Tyler doesn't Wade, mind I the bus a road trip guy. yeah it doesn't See, he mind doesn't Uber. strike me as a road trip guy me either i thought for sure he's like a get on a plane private yeah. jet type kid but he's just not there yet yeah. so he's 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 acknowledging where he is in life and embracing it and i i, I gotta respect that are you a road trip guy oh yeah i drive i'm a dri- uh-huh. i'm a driver i hate I'm flying not. Oh God! I road trip. It, put me any t- over four hours in a car. I start to go crazy. Uh, I, I'm so used I, I'll to it. lose my mind. I'm so used to it. Like the I went to school in, you know, in in uh, Virginia, and when I would drive home to New Jersey, uh, on Route 13, it was a seven hour trip, and I I could do it blindfolded at this point because I've done it so many times. I'm a driver. What do you yeah. do? Music, podcasts, like what? Now what it's do you podcasts. Now now podcasts make everything much better. Podcasts do because music just becomes monotonous after yeah, four hours. Right. But you can binge. Yeah, it does make road. See, I could also do so a seven hour road trip if you're not in traffic somehow seems better than like a four hour road trip if you're in traffic the whole time. Yeah. I mean, if you can get into if you find like so I wait, I don't really even listen to podcasts until I'm driving at some point and you bank them. And yeah. And then I and then I'll listen to like if there's something I like, it's coming up or if there's like a criminal series, because I'm into all the crime stuff. Um, I love, love murders, love murders. So we'll bank those. My wife does too. She's sick. And then we, uh, we'll, we'll listen to those for hours and just binge them and, and get conclude. We'll get a beginning and then we'll have a conclusion. It's great. Do you, uh, do you like history? Do I like history? Uh, I listen to some history podcasts. Yes, but it's gotta, it's gotta be like a full story. I, I can't, I can't yeah, do segments. So I, I sometimes bank uh, Dan Carlin, hardcore history for like a long, long flight or something. Yeah. But his, those are segments, usually right? like four hours. Oh, it's a four-hour like it's mini, usually like a, four, like a mini three or four uh, hours. Series? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what were we talking about? Talkman. So Talkman, um, if you look at his numbers, so he's been exactly a replacement level player. He has a ninety-six OPS plus and a point six WAR. So he's been 
essentially league average, which is exactly what we probably thought we were getting from Talkman. He's played 34 games now after the doubleheader. And um, I know some people were some people were saying, oh, this is the next Cashman goldmine find where he's going to turn into the next Luke Voigt or he's going to be a diamond in the rough. We haven't seen it yet, and I don't think we're going to see it. I think we've seen what Talkman is. He's a, he's a league average player. The thing about with these diamonds in the rough and the um, you know the guys that nobody else is identifying as a good baseball player is you can't hit them every time. And I think we've gotten we've gotten spoiled a bit with the way the Cashman's found some of these gems with with uh, you know the DDs of the world, the Chad Greens of the world, um, obviously with with Voit. So now we're expecting every single guy to come over in every trade to be like the next great thing and 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 you come from why? nowhere. It's because now Cashman is, this is a beautiful place to be if you're Brian Cashman in the nerd department, is that people now are elevating you and they think you know something more than, than everyone yeah. else. So they're like, okay, if, if Brian Cashman's trading for Mike Talkman, there's got to be something he knows that we don't. What is it? And they'll just search and search and search. Oh, in the, in the minors in 2017, his exit velocity was five miles an hour above average. So this means that he's going to be the next Luke Voigt in Major League Baseball. Ah, Brian Cashman's a god. Like, that's what people do. That's what people have done. I was having a back and forth with someone on uh, on Twitter. It wasn't a long one, but it, it made me notice something. We were talking about um, Gio Urshela and, you know, just the, the fact that I, I made a comment or I, made, I sent a tweet out saying that the, the fact that Gio is continuing to hit – the nerds are hating it. Like they're he, they're he's going up against everything that they've spitting said, in the face of spitting analytics. in the face of the nerds and saying I'm gonna hit. The nerds say I can't hit. Gio Urshela is going in there and hitting. And he, but, this guy made a comment saying that you know maybe it's actually to the to the to the um, you know applaud of the nerds saying that they found something. Well, I, I don't I don't think so because he was saying well they, they saw something and I just I I think there are. There are cases, and Mike Talkman, I think, is also one of them, that they're being acquired for their defense. Any offense that comes is 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 great and fine, and maybe they saw something with the uh, hard hit percentage and barrels and whatever for Talkman and AAA, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be an effective player for what they need them for. Like, Gio Urshela was supposed to be a depth piece in AAA for third base, right? He was supposed to be that guy who could come up, play some good defense. And- we were never supposed to see Gio Urshela this year. Right. But but he would have been a depth piece. That's exactly what depth pieces are for. You need them to come up and play defense. And he was a you know gold glove caliber type defender. So the fact that now he's hitting is is really just nothing in the analytics or, or is going to tell you that he was going to do this. He made adjustments and he's just previously he's making because I don't know if you saw things. the because Petriello who talked about Urshela when we had him on the podcast a couple weeks ago and at that point Petriello was talking about oh. Looks like he's probably getting a little lucky. His batting average on yeah. balls in play is inflated, and there's nothing in his history that says he's going to continue this. Well, fast forward two weeks, and there's now more metrics that the nerds trust, like hard hit percentage and weighted on base average and things like that, that actually show Gio Urshela maybe is not a fluke. And he's made, like you said, the adjustments. Apparently, he he changed up his stance a little bit, moved his hands positioning, moved his legs positioning yeah. when you compare it to last year. And he's been hitting, and he has not stopped hitting since he came up. Well, the, since they called him, but up. the nerds can't claim that as, as something that they've seen. They're just looking at the numbers. No, that he's no, put they're up just now verifying. They're verifying yeah. it that one. So the nerds have put the not fluke stamp of approval on Gio Urshela, which means there's only one way this is going to go now. Bad. 
bad. Unfortunately, no, I, 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 I disagree because I think Urshela is now just bucking the system. Nothing, nothing matters because he'll do whatever the hell he wants to do. He made these adjustments and, and, and they're working out well for him. And like I said, last show, he's at the peak of his physical career, right? Like this guy is in great shape now, physical abilities. Here we go. Now it's all coming together and he's starting to pay more attention to what he's doing at the plate. Good. He's, he's comfortable on the, on the defensive side. And maybe he's putting a little bit more time on the offensive side to, to you know, catch up. And, and, you know, it's working, I guess. We're going to see Gio Rochella is now here to stay. He's now the starting third baseman. And Duhar has decided to have the season-ending surgery. He goes back on the IL on Monday. So this was just classic Boone, uh, where Monday before the game, he talks about how and Duhar, um, the shoulder might be affecting him. And we're going to make a decision on, decision on Andujar in the next day, and then uh, you're sitting there like, okay, if he's if there's any inkling that he's still injured, what the hell are you waiting for? But I guess they just hadn't decided who they're calling up or what the exact move was going to be. They knew he was going on the IL. They were just delaying it for whatever reason. And what sucks is because they call up Hicks. Hicks makes his return this week. He gets he gets activated on Monday. They could have done a, a swap if things... I feel like they just botched this uh, the roster transactions on Monday. Or they just... The timing didn't work out where had they known... Had they... They could have called up Tyler Wade or somebody for Andrew. He was Hall. driving to Toledo. That's right. They couldn't get in touch with him. He was in that dead zone between <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Pennsylvania and Toledo. He's got sprint. I, I know the pain. <laughs> um. So Andujar, so whatever it is, they, they have to put Andujar on, on the IL. Talkman gets sent down for, for Hicks, and then Cortez gets, act, gets called back up for Andujar instead of a, an actual infielder, whatever. Um, but yeah, Andujar clearly looked not healthy. We talked about this last episode. He was 3-for-34 with two errors in his return. Every advanced metric was bad. His exit velocity was down from 89 last year to 83 this year. His expected batting average and expected weighted on base average were terrible. He just did not look healthy, and and he had another MRI. It showed the same small tear, and he took a few days, decided, I'm going to have the surgery. I think it is 1,000% the right decision for him to have the surgery. This is what they were trying to do, I think, and I think this is what Andrew Hart was trying to do. He was trying to see if he could if he could come back and play with you know at, at not full strength, and and it wouldn't damage his career further if he's able to play with it because it can you know sometimes that if you're if you could play with it then it is what it is right but obviously it was it was a significant part of what he was doing it affected his bat speed it affected his power it, we saw this with bird when bird went down with the same injury when he get the power was gone and and the labrum if you have a tear the strength in your shoulder is gone at that point. Basically, you're just you're playing with you know a very weakened shoulder, and he couldn't do it. He tried to come back from it, and I this is what I have a feeling. I have a feeling Andrew Harb was telling them like, look, I, I feel good enough to play. I think I can do it. Let me try. If I can't try, if it doesn't happen in a whatever the time frame is, then we'll you know we'll we'll figure it out then. But I think it yeah, was because worth they didn't a shot. really lose much. It, no. If he had just <clears throat> between three weeks ago when he came back and now, you don't lose anything right. as far as readiness for 2020 exactly so once he gets the surgery if it was a, even if it was a month even two months he probably would have been fine for spring training in the in the end but 
I think that he wanted. I mean, obviously, it was partly his decision as well, too, right? Like they they were talking about it yeah, where it was you can't force a player to go under. No, the but you can you can recommend for sure. But he's got to say it at the end, and and I have to believe that he but wanted. He to try. passed all the strength tests right? to come back. But I don't. So I mean, but where are those strength? Like where are the where's the bar on those strength tests? Is it is it just saying that you have you know, enough strength to get past the test? Or do you have the strength that you had before you came through? Because obviously he well, didn't have that. Well, here's what I'm saying. Even if he, whatever strength test is, even if the strength test said you have the same strength as before, it's still a mental issue that he knows. I, I have a small tear in my labrum. And if I try and swing at my normal, like, pace, as swing as I normally do. Which is I violent, might hurt which it, is a violent swing. Violent swing. I might hurt it more. And then, then you're holding something back, and you're never going to be able to succeed at Major League Baseball if you're holding back. I don't even. I don't think it even got to that point. I think that he just wasn't healthy, and, and the strength wasn't there enough to where it was in the past. And he can't do because in order for you to do the things that Andujar does offensively, you got to feel really good about your body. You got to have everything in sync and working well. Because, you know, we we know the guy can go out and and get a bad pitch. I mean, he makes a lot of contact, and that takes. That takes a lot of muscle memory. That takes a lot of um, you know mechanical work to get to your your eyes and your mind and your and your arms and your shoulders all in the same place at the same time to meet the ball, and um, he just couldn't do that. So I just don't think physically he was at the point where he was able to do the things that he normally does. And then when you can't do that, then you're all screwed up. You start you start trying to do things different mechanically, and and yeah, your head gets into it. I just it all starts with the physical ability to not do the things that he's normally used to doing, though. And you had mentioned earlier Morales as a potential backup first base option. I don't think that at all. I think Morales was a reactionary move to losing Andujar. Oh, for sure. I'm just saying it was convenient that, that Luke Voigt was in a 3 for 40 at the time when it happened. Yeah. And he's also a left-handed bat where where there's, you know, not one that exists over there at first base unless you're, you know, you're looking at Greg Bird who doesn't exist yet. So, it's it, it is a bat, there's no doubt about it. But it's also a guy that can go and play a little bit of first. So Yankees acquire Morales from Oakland from uh, Brian Cashman's BFF, Billy Bean. For, uh, so they acquire Morales. I, I found this transaction funny. Yankees acquire first base DH Morales and cash considerations from Oakland in exchange for a player to be named later or cash considerations. And they named a player, though. I'm pretty sure there was a player named, a uh, lower level guy. But either way, a lot of cash. And oh, the other one was the... Um, uh, it was cash. It was okay. So it was cash. It was cash. It was a player, and then it was international pool money as well. Love it. Did I see <laughs> sprinkling Brian a little Cashman. bit of everything. I want. I want a medley of things. Yes. Just Brian Cashman and Billy Bean, uh, figuring out a trade together is the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> Where they're just pointing at each other like, okay, what else can we tack on? Cash considerations? Hell yes. International bonus pool money? Hell yes. But the- maybe maybe they're trading like like uh oh we have analytics on some some low level rookie ball guy. Like we'll trade you their analytics for ours. They're gonna be swapping analytics now. They're gonna be trading nerds. You're gonna get <laughs> nerds, one nerd intern is gonna be traded for another nerd intern. You're disrespecting Brian Cashman with this with this comparison yeah, to a Spider-Man meme. Yeah, because the Spider-Man meme is like, you, it's you. No, it's me. It's you. It's me. It's like we're one and the same. No, 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 no. Brian Cashman has championships. Brian Cashman knows what he's doing. Billy Bean just throws shit in a pot, in, in, into like the middle of a, a pond and, and see what comes back. Like, Listen, he, we Brian all Cashman love what Cashman is fishing, is actually fishing, and a skilled fisherman. Billy mm-hmm. Bean is throwing dynamite in a pond. That's what he's doing. 
This may He's be unpopular, bum. and I'm a Brian Cashman fan, and I have loved what Brian Cashman has done since the trade deadline 2016. But Brian Cashman has not won a championship on this new new form of of building the Yankees analytics first uh, form of building the Yankees. The Yankees won championships because of the core four in the nineties. And then because they spent a crap ton of money in the Oh nine season. Okay. So it's, he still has championship under his belt. There's still, there are still championships there. He still acquired players and had players and put them in positions to win championships. I, and, I, and I think, and also had the, uh, I think the, that any old idiot could have gone out in the 2008-2009 season and said, C.C. Sabathia, Mark Teixeira, I would like you on my team. You are two of the best baseball players that I've seen in today's game. So, yes, you are going to help us. Wow. Oh, man. The disrespect. The disrespect <laughs> is thick. You just uh, have the a disrespect you just have is a, not you, thick. You have I just think a unhealthy you disrespect Billy Bean. With Billy you disrespect Bean. Mr. See, here it comes. Here it comes. See? Here comes the anger. You disrespect. Here comes the anger. He's got an unhealthy obsession with Billy Bean. I don't know what it is. I don't know what this guy did. I don't know. Maybe it's Brad Pitt. I don't know. There's something going on here. With- it's a thousand percent Brad Pitt, by the way. <laughs> if uh, if like uh, name some other actor, if Matt Damon played him in the movie, this I would not have the same affection for for Billy Bean. Yeah, Matt Damon would never play him in that movie. He's got to be a side a side character. He's a sideshow. So the Yankees get Morales. He was DFA'd by Oakland because he was having a terrible season as far as traditional metrics go where he was hitting 204 with one home run and 126 plate appearances. Um, he is also being, he's earning $12 million this year. He's being ba- paid $10 million by the Blue Jays, $2 million by Oakland. The Yankees are just picking up. The Blue Jays are just paying half of our, uh, half of our, <laughs> our, our salaries. Yeah, they're, they're still, they still got too low on, on the books. For 30-some mil, right? Is it 30-some mil? I think it's something like that, or 20-some mil. Whatever it's a lot of money, so the, whatever they're basically was, on the yeah. hook for like thirty million plus of our salary right now. Yeah, so they're gonna get they're gonna if the Yankees win a championship this year, then they might send one ring up to up to Toronto. <laughs> it's as expensive as ring. <laughs> um, but but there's some uh, Frank actually has an article out on the website today uh, talking about Morales that maybe there's things in Frank. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe there's some things in his in his stats that show he he is not as terrible as his traditional metrics show. So his walk percentage is actually higher than his career averages. His strikeout percentage is lower than his career averages. Those are two good things. And then you've got his uh, actual weighted on base average, batting average, and slugging percentage all lower than his expected weighted on base average, expected batting average, expected slugging percentage. Too long didn't read version of that. <sighs> you lost everybody on he's that He's getting unlucky. Okay. Too long didn't read is he's getting unlucky, where the advanced metrics predict that he should be having a better season than he is actually having. All right. I didn't need to hear any of those numbers. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I see a guy that is a professional hitter that's been a professional hitter for a long time and now has a resurgence because he's putting on the pinstripes and oh, it's going to go David Justice style. We're going to see... Re- resurgent. Da- oh, Fuck you, Scott. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna see we're gonna see some good we're gonna see some good stuff because now you just compared Kendrys Morales to David Justice. That is an insult. No, to David Justice. What I said is we're gonna see that style. We're gonna see him come to the pinstripes. Always, everybody wants to play in the pinstripes. We know that for a fact. Everybody in Major League Baseball wants to play with the for the New York Yankees later in their career. And now Kendrys Morales is joining that club. He's not gonna disappoint. He knows that. First game, he's on base three times. Walks twice, 
gets a nice base knock up the middle. Look, he's going to have a resurgence of his career. Might add on another one-year deal because of this year. It's going to be beautiful. And and Brian Cashman, again, going to look like a genius fleecing Billy Bean. I cannot believe you just compared Morales to David Justice. Look, I'm listening to JJ too much. It's in the DVD. You're going to see it. Kendris Morales is going to be that guy. All right. So we kind of skipped over the uh, the actual games that happened on Wednesday, but I want to go back and talk about the the pitching. Um, we kind of skipped over the only games that have happened this week. Yeah. Uh. Well, there's been a lot of transactions and a lot of guys to the injured list. So we beat the Orioles. Really, that's all that happened is we beat the shit out of the Orioles. But and I found it interesting. I found it very interesting how the bullpen was used. Yeah. So game one, Hap looks a little shaky early. He's giving up home runs, and he's pulled in the sixth inning after getting one out with just 64 pitches. Right. So even though he was getting hit around a little bit in the early innings, he still only had 64 pitches. And on the face of it, if, if you're saying, we got a doubleheader today, my pitcher's in the sixth inning with 64 pitches, this is great. We're going to extend him maybe to the, sixth, to the seventh inning, and we don't have to burn through our bullpen. But Boone made the decision with a two-run lead and the batting uh, middle of the batting order for Orioles coming up for a third time to pull Hap. Hap, you could tell. Not Hap. even a little... A little unhappy with that. Like, what's going on here? I got 64 pitches. Um, and and he's trying out. to he's trying to lengthen this pitching staff because he knows mm-hmm. there's another game after this, right? It's like if this was a if this was the only game you're playing on Wednesday, I don't even blink at this move, right? But in a doubleheader, you question it, and um, he goes to Adovino, who pitches in parts of two innings. So Adovino pitch finishes the sixth inning and then starts the seventh inning. So that automatically rules out Adovino for game two. Because I think if he's down, up, down, up, that's it. You're not pitching game two. Then he brings in Canely for two batters. Who, who Canely strikes out both batters because that's what Canely's been doing all season. Just striking everybody out. That is really the biggest question I have in this game is why use Canely for the two batters? I know Adovino put somebody on base. But why not let Adovino finish that seventh inning? I mean, And then you have Canely for game two. Yeah, I, I, I think that... The fact that he was using Kinley for only two batters was, you know, part of the. Um, he, he said he was going to use go to these guys in multiple multiple times for for this day because of the doubleheader. And so then, why didn't we see Kinley in game two in a bases loaded situation with Herman in the seventh inning? Uh, because I think he he felt good with Herman in that situation. I, I mean, obviously the no. the numbers were. The, I, I think that Herman. I didn't think Herman was missing by much. I still think I, I thought Herman still had good stuff. So I, I didn't I didn't mind that to tell you the truth. I mean, th- I think if this is again a single game and Herman is is in a base loaded situation in the seventh inning with a one run lead, pulled. he gets pulled. Yeah. So so I don't know. Like Kinley, I think could have come back. I mean, look at Tommy Kinley. He's a freaking bulldog. He absolutely could have come back after two batters. It's essentially just him warming up. He had a five hour energy in between the games. Uh, well, maybe that was the problem. He he gave those he gave those up and then he went back to the well <laughs> because of the doubleheader. Yeah, it could have been the problem. Um, but yeah, no, it's, 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 I see what you're saying. Like the, the, the fact that Ottavino probably should have just finished that inning because now at this point he's burned for the second game. Why not just finish him out? I see what you're right. saying. Yeah, it was, it was very, uh, again, I said this the last show, it's been interesting to see how Boone's been using the bullpen and, and going, uh, away from his starting pitching at certain times because he's done it a few times. He's done it with Tanaka. He's done it with, um, with Hap a couple times. He's done it with CC where the pitch count is still very manageable yet. He sees where they, uh, where the opponents are in their lineup, and maybe they're coming around for the third time, or you know the heart of the order is coming up, and he's pulling them at a time when 
you know, maybe like Hap was settling back in. Like he had early struggles and was getting back into the flow. Yeah, I easily I, could have I, left him in. So they pulled him because he was facing the three, four hitters in the Orioles lineup and they had already homered off. Yeah, yeah. So, which, so I, I wouldn't have, again, I don't really. It's a two run game. You know, you're trying to preserve that first win. John Sterling I'm is in the back of your mind that, saying it's difficult to sweep. Got to sweep. No, it. so I, I, again, my biggest question is not pulling Hap, it's not letting Ottavino finish the seventh inning. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously um, some kind of a number there or something that he saw that he felt more better with. And it worked like. out. It worked out because Britain and Chapman, especially Chapman, looked dominant in the second game. Chapman was throwing 101 miles an hour in the second game, so it obviously didn't affect them. But I, for a team that is so careful and has dealt with so many injuries, I just didn't think they were going to do that because it's not the number of pitches that a guy's throw. Like everyone was saying, oh, these guys didn't throw a lot of pitches in game one. But they still had to warm up, yeah. got their body hot, right. then sat for an hour in between games. Their body cools down. Their arm is going through a recovery process. And then you come back three hours later and warm up again. Like That is what can injure a guy. It's not because he threw 12 pitches and then 15 pitches later. Yeah. Like, the number of pitchers does does not matter. No, no. It's, it's a different... You're breaking them out of their routine, and it's something very different. Yeah. And the fact that there's a, an off day on Thursday, the day after that, probably helped matters so that they could have another day of recovery. But yeah, it's the, it's the getting up and getting down in, in a way that you're not used to, I think is the, is what, what can, you know, add different types of stress to that arm. But, um, he's, you know, Britain also Britain's some, a guy that, you know, we should identify as his, uh, I think his last four or five outings has been scoreless. He's been much better. You know, we're seeing more, since, more low, um, more low sink on that ball. He's since he gave up a bomb to Nelson Cruz, I believe, against the Twins. He's been lights out. Yeah. So that's 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 huge news. Uh, go check out on the website too. Um, Adam Adler put a, a really comprehensive piece together on Britain uh, about what we've saw. You know, from 2016 to what he was last year about the surgery and where he is now. So you know, you're seeing he's been good this year. I think that the numbers and, and what we've identified and seen with our eyes has has made it seem like he's actually being uh, playing worse than than what he actually is because he seems the problems he ends up having is he'll have a game an appearance where he can't find the strike zone right and he's got two walks in the inning and you, that's just the last thing you want out of a bullpen arm is to come in and walk two guys yeah and that's what's been so out of character for him is the are the walks and I think when you start walking guys and you know, obviously your command's not there, so you're and leaving you the ball can, up in the you zone. You can make a mistake, mm-hmm. and you leave a, a sinker up in the middle of the plate, and it it's a Nelson Cruz bomb. And I think what Boone was probably hoping for in one of these games is that he he would have gotten a a big a big lead and could have gone to Sessa or Holder or Green because none of those guys pitched yesterday um, because the game situations didn't warrant it. But he didn't get to do that. It, it worked out though. That's the thing. It's like we're we're talking about this, and I think it is important to talk about because. I think when you're managing a doubleheader, stuff like this is key. But it, it did work out. It did work out. I wouldn't have mind seeing Sessa in a. He's in probably going to be the that... Sunday starter, and he was warming up twice last night in the night game. He warmed up twice, so it's almost like a bullpen session in and of itself. Yeah. So he'll be ready for Sunday because Loisica goes on the IL, um, who was in place for Paxton. It's, 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 we got this situation again where Hicks comes back, Loisica goes down. So, and Andujar goes down. Get a guy back, guy, guy, guy has to go down. It's like, what's the IL sacrifice that this team has to make? It's got to happen. It doesn't happen any other way. We have to send somebody away into in, you know, purgatory. We have to banish them to the, the surgical table. Uh, and Loisica goes to the 60-day IL. So he was shut down for four weeks. He had a bullpen session, then came in the next day, felt sore. 
they put him they put him on the IL, and then now he's on the sixty day when they acquired Morales. Um, Paxton, this feels this feels season ending. Feels feels bad for for Luisica. Um, you hate to see a guy go down, but let's also realize Luisica was not pitching well. No, no, and maybe there was something going maybe. on, I and mean, he wasn't he wasn't pitching well in the majors or in AAA. We we identified that a few times. Like the guy just wasn't wasn't executing his pitches to a to a point where he. Uh, he belonged on the field at this, you know, to, to the level that we all expect him to be. He was going to be starting again on Sunday out of necessity or whenever it was, if they didn't get rained out. Necessity. <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, uh, he, whenever he was supposed to, what was Luizaga going to start Monday in the rain out? Right. Yeah. And, and he got, yeah, he was, he was definitely the next guy. I mean, there were, there was all talks. We had, we had mentioned like the fact that maybe it was going to be Sessa this time around. Maybe Luizaga wasn't going to be the guy. They said it was Loisaga. Uh, you know, potentially Loisaga was just going to be a open opening for for the day, and then Sessa was going to come in or flip flop him. There were a whole bunch of things they could have done. They were just biding their time until Paxton comes back. The three weeks is going to be up on May twenty fifth, and I don't really like how he's talking. So he threw a bullpen session on Tuesday, and he said, "I felt a little something in my knee, but the pain is not as bad as before." And then the next day he woke up and he said, I was pleasantly surprised there was no swelling. So this is a guy talking like, I know my body is a frail little bitch and I am just <laughs> praying that nothing goes wrong. And if something doesn't go wrong, hey, I'm pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised that I woke up without pain. No swelling, no, no inflammation, no, no This is a guy that knee. is afraid of his body. I think he, yeah, he's, he's, he's been burned so many times by it that he's just, expecting the other shoe to drop which i think all of us are i mean i i'm certainly waiting for the other shoe to drop because it seems like that's just what's happening this year the it doesn't seem like he's going to be back no in the, in the three, three weeks, weeks max if you're still feeling a discomfort or a something or whatever that means then then there's still some kind of a uh uh you know a level of concern we're On nine days end, away from the three weeks max being up if you're expecting to feel sore and for swelling the next day that's not good. That means that the little something you felt was was discomfort and you're expecting that inflammation to get worse the next day because that's what happens after activity and a muscle gets irritated or a ligament gets irritated. You're expecting it to be worse. The fact that it wasn't, um, I guess, is, is, uh, is good in the sense that maybe it wasn't a physical ailment as much as it was a mental ailment and now he's feeling things that are non-existent and he just needs to get past that. And I don't want him to come back if he's still feeling pain. I'm more no, joking God, no. about I'm joking about Paxton that his body is, he doesn't trust his own body but like you said he's been burned many times in the past he's had injuries in his career that's why he's never exceeded 160 innings pitch that's why it doesn't look like he's going to exceed 160 innings pitch this year is because there's something that betrays him in his body every season Yeah and let's make sure you're healthy you need to be healthy because what's happening right now is the Yankees are continuing to weather the storm and we know it's not going to be that way forever so we need him back healthy and not just a blip in the radar goddamn sun <laughs> on video as uh, scott's just blinded by sun coming through his window i was wondering when you were going to close those shades i was about to uh, getting lit up another kind of mystery injury is stanton so the yankees finally labeled what's wrong with him a strained shoulder because i don't know if you saw uh brian hoke tweeted out some quotes from boone I want to read some of these because, my God, were they uh, 
weird. Cryptic? Yeah. Everything has been cryptic coming out of Boone's mouth because he doesn't know what to say anymore. So uh, there was a back and forth where they were talking about Stan, and then the, there's a question uh, about a shoulder. It's not a tear in the shoulder, is it? Boone, no, it's just whatever. I mean, guys have different stuff going on with there, and he's got, I don't know what exactly is going on in there other than it's obviously not exactly right or else he would have been on been back a little bit ago. <laughs> what? That's your manager don't, don't, talking about one of your most uh your best players and he's got a whatever. Like I dealt with yeah, Scott, because, I dealt with a whatever back in 2014 and that kept me out of action for a while. Because what Boone is doing is he is talking in 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 circles, being cryptic because there's not information that he's allowed to give to the media. Just say that. So he's just so he's just being, you know, a Californian and talking around it's whatever, and, and just, bro. Like just yeah, wherever the know, wind just, takes me, wherever it's just whatever's in God's injury, plan whatever. for Giancarlo's shoulder is what's gonna happen, man. So he talks. He just he does that though. He does. He talks in like very casual terms about things and downplays them uh, rather than saying you know. But see, this is light up, we are light Yankees fans. We are uh, New Yorkers. We are from the Northeast. Do not sugarcoat anything. Giancarlo's hurt, and, and we're, we're, tr- we're trying to figure out why. Okay, boom, done. Let's move on with my day. I don't, I don't want to try and dissect these read-between-the-lines whatever quotes. I mean, that's what we signed up for, so he's going he's gonna to continue to do that. I think, that's, I think Cashman likes that he's doing it. <laughs> Just messing Cashman with the media? Distracting, yeah. Taking the, you know how Girardi would always try to, and, and Tori would always try to take the emphasis off of the player. If a player is struggling, well... I'm going to take it. It's going to redirect it to me. I'm going to get the focus on me. That I get. Off. That I understand. But this... Well, now we're, we're just doing it in a different way. But this this turns a already a story that is an important story into a circus. Or you say that we still don't know. We're trying to figure it out. Well, why don't yes. you know? You've had all this time. So now the now everybody can start writing about the fact that the Yankees are... They're already uh, writing about that. When you say he's got a whatever... That's what they're going to be writing about. That's a, I don't know what's wrong with him. Just say you don't know what's wrong with him. And they finally labeled it a strained shoulder. And the thing is, what's weird is... A strain is kind of a whatever. He had, he had a batting practice session that went <laughs> well, apparently. So apparently he was... He, but he's not fully healthy. What, this, like, is what we, just, this is what I don't... This is what I don't We're not going to see Stanton like, for a while. I, I know we're in the, in the era of like talking over your mouth so that nobody can see what you're saying. And Boone does it to... To, takes it to the next level. What does that talking mean, to, talking in, over your mouth? I mean, ta- I mean, putting your hand over your mouth. I can't, I'm trying to show you. Put your hand over your mouth so the cameras can't read your lips and see what you're saying, right? There's a, everybody's talking like this, all muffled and putting your hands over your mouth talking so about that in the press cameras can't pick up. No, in the, during the games. During oh, like the games in the dugout, and, and yeah. It, I mean, they, he was doing it in the freaking rainouts. Like, you know, he's talking to Larry Rothschild, covering his mouth in case. I just don't understand like what the big competitive advantage is for for like talking about um, downplaying an injury. Like, so are we not, it's not like we have a seven game series up and we're, and we're, and we're like waiting to put out our lineup so that they can, you know, line up a pitcher and, and we're going to mess with our opponent. It's just, I don't understand the, the advantage of why everybody's so secretive. That's what I don't get. Well, you know, it's probably the conversations that him and Ross out are probably having in the dugout. You think they're talking about pitching matchups, but he's probably like, you know, Larry, I really got to take a dump right now. You think I can get one in before we have to pull this? I'm not picture? even talking about on the field. Like, yeah, I think there's a bunch of small talk that probably happens that way as well. But even in like these press conferences, it's essentially talking over your, putting your hand over your mouth by by 
by not it's habit tip, tipping where uh, I think where that's it a is. habit because anytime a catcher and a pitcher meet on the mound, they always cover their mouth with their glove. I think that's just you're missing my entire point. I am totally missing, I'm missing your missing entire point. point. <laughs> I'm saying what he's doing in the press conferences is, is the equivalent of talking over his mouth. It's not physically what he's doing on the field. <laughs> Let me spell this out in plain I, I, English. You lost me there. That whatever. All right. He's he's basically just being cryptic for no reason. Like, why are we being cryptic? Let's just say it. Yes. There's no competitive advantage. I agree advantage. with that. Stop being cryptic. And, and it no- sounds like he's doing it for a competitive advantage, and I don't get being that. cryptic annoys me more than just being honest. And, and I don't know is an acceptable answer. That's one thing I have learned in working, like actual a real job working, is that if you don't know an answer, don't make something up. Don't talk in circles. Just say I don't know. I will go find out, and that is an acceptable answer. But that's not an acceptable answer when you're asking to the media, when you know you have a press conference, you know you have information about a player. The I don't know answer is not good for the media because they, they think you should know. You are actually in a position where you should know. It's not a position well, where like, oh, they I'm learning, a new, clearly I'm the learning doctors- a new software. I'm introducing this package to, to my clients. It's brand new. Only the nerds know about it. Let me find out. Even, but like, apparently the doctors don't know, though. That's what that's, we found that's, out is that the doctors don't know what's wrong problem. with Stanton. Right. That's the problem. All right. Yankees are uh, facing Tampa this weekend. Can take first place. Sabathia, Tanaka, and then maybe Sessa. Maybe we'll see Chance Adams on Sunday. The Rays are going to go with an opener, Blake Snell, and then Charlie Morton. We have not seen. We did not see Morton last weekend. No. He's having a good season, and he seems to always pitch well against the Yankees. So, But they're a game and a half back. They can take first place uh, this weekend. The segment... What awesome thing did Aaron Judge do this week? So you might be saying, well, he's, he's injured. What awesome thing could he have done? Well, this, as of uh, before Wednesday's games, Judge was tied for the team lead in war with 1.2 war. And why is that impressive? Well, he hasn't played since April 20th, and he's still tied for the team lead in war. <laughs> he took a badass picture on the Game of Thrones throne, too. On the, uh, he, he looked, he looked the, the part. Yeah, he's like... Did you, Urshela, did you see Jura, uh, Urshela's picture? He's just like lounging with his uh, leg crossed and, and sandals. Know. Just uh, yeah, happy it's Game of there. Thrones just, So I was looking at tickets. I was, trying to, I was thinking about buying tickets for Friday night's game, and I was like, why the hell are these things so expensive? And then I realized it's Game of Thrones night. Wasn't it last night, Game of Thrones night? Or I thought they already did no, that. That's just they were just promoing for Friday. There's, I think, a T-shirt giveaway, Game of Thrones T-shirt on Friday. Yeah, it's a terrible T-shirt too, by the way. It's I expect better efforts from the New York Yankees. Uh, the yeah, it's it's look there, it's it. Aaron Judge. It doesn't matter if he's on the field, if he's on the roster, <laughs> if he's if he's in the in the dugout for no good reason. He just helps the team. He's good stuff. He was tied. Can we, can we can we get a war? Like this is war. He's the hitting coach now too, right? He's the <clears throat> de facto hitting coach. Yeah. Well, he's also been cheerleading the team, so that affects war. War is all encompassing. So. We've learned war is all encompassing. But what about the? There needs to be like a um, you know the fact that you're there. A war like how much like a plus minus in in, in uh, basketball, but plus minus for being in the dugout. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Run yeah. differential for when you're on the bench. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. He was tied with Herman Tanaka and DJ LeMahieu. Herman and LeMahieu make sense. I was actually kind of surprised Tanaka was up there, but he did start off the season pretty hot, and then he had a, a little mini slump uh, for a couple starts. But um, those are your war leaders for the Yankees. Um, all right, I want to read a. I want to talk about a a podcast review we got. So we we called out. What do we call out? Uh, 
Idaho. Idaho. We didn't necessarily call them out. We just we we kind of expressed our ignorance about Idaho and the state of Idaho yeah. and, and your and your uh, your you know your your uh, capability of geography. Yeah, which ended up being right. But uh, then, but then I <laughs> no, just no, in no, passing no. mentioned like, oh, what about Yankee fans in New Mexico? Well, there's Yankee fan in New Mexico, representing New Mexico v. Kraft. Yankees are very well represented in New Mexico, even though our AAA Albuquerque Isotopes is an affiliate of the Rockies. You will see more Yankees hats than any other team at Isotopes games. New Mexico is much more than Walter White. We have a a dope microbrewery scene. Green chili with a fire emoji, mountains, 300 plus days of sunshine, and the international balloon fiesta. Is that is that like a balloon, like helium balloons or like a... a I looked it up. Hot air balloons, baby. Hot air balloons, yeah. Bunch yeah, of hot air balloons floating in the sky at once. It looks like a disaster movie ready to happen. I mean, I kind of love that. I think that's uh, that's exciting. That's exciting to see. It a is lot in the top four things, balloons. top five things, along with mountains. <laughs> mountains. I mean, you got to appreciate mountains. I love mountains. Good. Yeah. When you don't have mountains, you appreciate mountains. Green chili, mountains, yep. sunshine, and balloons. And a microbrewery scene, which is everywhere now. But that's good. I'm glad that there's a microbrewery scene in. See, it's it's all going to the chemistry, though. I mean, the microbrewery, all those guys are are chemists. They're They were... They got exposed from uh, from Breaking Bad, and they're no longer able to cook meth. So now they've they've turned it into something a little bit more productive, a little bit more legal, and they're making beer. Mm-hmm. It's all just IPAs now. Yeah, no, it's it sounds great. It's a good transition. I mean, it's it's, it's a natural transition. It sounds great. Um, I'm sure if you have enough chili, and you drink enough beer, the balloon fiesta is exciting. I think the balloon fiesta is just like the backdrop of all of the beer and food that gets drank at that fiesta. Would you? So I think of it as like a like an old time car show. Everyone shows up with their hot air balloons. Like, uh, look at mine. Look at my paint job on my hot air balloon. I got to tell you, the first thing I think of when I think of a fiesta is I think of kids taking a stick and hitting a pinata. And he's <laughs> okay. a kid. And so party. now, so a stick hitting so a hot air taking, balloon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're taking like you know lawn darts, and going after these. <laughs> these uh these balloons it's dangerous uh i mean that's that adds another element to the balloon fiesta if you're if you're trying to dodge it's like in game of thrones you're trying to dodge the giant spear that's coming at you when you're riding a dragon yeah lawn darts are coming at you when you're when you're riding a hot air balloon that's next level i like it vcraft continues while while cooking meth he says he went to see the yankees when they played in phoenix so he saw that diamondback series unfortunately vcraft did not see a win but vcraft thank you very much for the review uh, he, he also seinfeld fan enjoys our, our seinfeld references so what so the question really remains what state do we want to see if the yankees are represented in next yeah because this is working we're, we're calling out states and, and you guys are coming alive and i love it so basically, if you're an underrepresented state, if you don't think I know the Dakotas are 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 represented because we actually have some guys that were um, that are that are trying to start a BP crew, but they realized they were 200 miles apart or 400 miles apart. From <laughs> oh, each that other is such a Midwest in North, thing in North Dakota. I, love I saw that. their same they state, but you're like a seven hour drive away. <laughs> it, it's pretty great. First of all, um, one of them already has a uh, BP crew embroidered on the side of his hat. And he did that, I think, two years ago. Gotta love that. That's that's some dedication. But they uh, what they I think came to is that they're gonna have a a rendezvous. That's the only way I can say it. I feel like it's appropriate. Mm, in Deadwood, in Deadwood, 
What does what does that mean? I don't. I mean, you know, it just sounds it sounds great. And all I think of is the show Deadwood from HBO. So it's probably a Wild West um, town yeah. with a saloon, yeah. and they're gonna go watch a game in a saloon. Okay, that's my that's what I'm picturing. Cool. They might get there in a hot air balloon. Dakota, the one of the Dakotas uh, is where Mount Rushmore is, right? That's that's correct. It's the only thing I know about North or South Dakota, and I don't know which one is which. Pretty sure it's North Dakota. Do you remember when North Dakota and South Dakota were going to merge for a little while, and they were going to call it Megakota? No, yeah. that's not a thing. That, Google that it right happen. now. That was a thing. That's not it a thing. went it went it went around the internet like maybe a year and a half ago. That that never is a that's never a thing. A Megakota BP crew. No, chapter. no, Megakota Megakota was never going to be a, a real thing. Yes, it was. There was a <laughs> Texas, petition Texas for Megakota. Was, Texas was going to be its own country before Megacota exists. First of all, it's a horrible name. Second of all, it is Texas with a phenomenal before. name. Megacota is an awesome name. Petition. Either way. Merge South and North Dakota into Megacota. And seven people signed it. 3,000 people signed it. <laughs> 3,000 people. I think you need a few more than that. All right. So what's the next state? We know we have North and South Dakota. Megacota is represented. New Mexico is represented. Idaho is represented. What's the next state you want to hear from? Wyoming. Okay, that's also like up There's there. There's no possible the way. Northwest. It's somewhere. It's somewhere over there. Wyoming it's, is in the mid uh, upper. That's a west. It's Midwest. It's got to be Midwest. Yeah. There's n- there are not there are not five Yankee fans in Wyoming. Can't be. Don't exist. Prove it. Prove it, Montana. You said Montana? I said Wyoming. Wyoming. <laughs> okay. That's going to do it for this episode. Um, this is this is uh, good. I'm feeling good. Little mini uh, mini doubleheader sweep going into uh, going uh, into the weekend against Tampa, looking to take first place. We could be talking to you on Monday from atop the ALEs. Any last words, Scott? No. I, I'm pretty sure everybody in the background can hear Kemp yelling my name for him to come... Come, come get him because he's standing up and been hanging out in the crib. I'm going to give you a little, little shot here of homeboy about to nail out of the crib. He's excited to be Yankees one too. All right, we'll talk, we'll talk to you guys Monday. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.